sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. You've got questions, and in today's episode, we've got answers. Welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get to some of our listeners' questions, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do so is by email, and the address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sfcatholic.org. And if you do that, you too may be on Ignition. You too. <laughs> Thanks, Renee. Uh, so I'm joined in studio once again by Renee Kranz, my regular mm-hmm. co-host mm-hmm. for these many, many months. I feel like it's been a while. You've been gone for like maybe. a whole long time. And... No, you, but the listeners don't know. Thanks, thanks for yeah. breaking the fourth wall. You just oh, shattered we, we it. broke that. You just took a sledgehammer to the wall. <laughs> so uh, as promised in the introduction, um, you've got questions, we've got answers. So, speci- so specifically, one of our listeners uh, wrote in with some questions about episode 516, which aired earlier this month, Christmas in July was the name of that episode, where we unpacked um, the reasons with the church that the church gives for the incarnation. Mm. Why did the word become flesh? So what I want to do is just read this, uh, and and I'm going to change some details just because um, our our inquirer, our questioner, our correspondent uh, did, did not didn't indicate one way or the other. You can read this on air or not. So he didn't say, "Hey, wrap me out." Uh, right. He didn't. Say, he didn't say, "Go ahead." So I'm gonna just um, change some details just to protect his identity. Uh, but I want to read the email otherwise, and then we'll we'll address the questions that he raises. Good morning, Dr. Bergwald. My name is Ben, and I've been listening to Ignition for a little over three weeks now, having just recently found it. So, Ben, hope you're still listening. Hope you're uh, enjoying the show. I really enjoyed the latest episode over the weekend. Again, that's five sixteen titled Christmas in July. However, after listening, I do have some questions, but first some background is required to give the questions better context. I'm currently an unbelieving, unbelieving, culturally practicing Mormon. I converted in in the late nineties, but I've never 100% believed in the church's teachings. Uh, But there are some that I believe in more than others. I've also felt drawn to the Catholic church since the early, early nineties, but I've never been able to act on that. Hopefully, however, that is hopefully going to change. There's obviously more to my story, but that is for another time. So Ben, I do look forward. If you ever want to write in uh, a follow-up, I'd love to hear more about your story. But now to Ben's questions. In the latest episode, you were referencing catechism of the, the Catechism of Catholic Church paragraphs 456 to 460. 456 mentions, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Mormon theology, Ben goes on, states that the Godhead is three separate personages. This makes the Annunciation a little awkward. Even though I firmly believe in the Holy Trinity, can you please help me out with the meaning of 456? He goes on, 460 states, in part, the only begotten Son of God, wanting to make us shares in his divinity, assumed our nature so that he made man might make men gods. In Mormonism, we are taught and teach through our missionaries that man may eternally progress to become like God. This doctrine is a little deeper than the mere words convey. We are taught and teach that men and women will become gods and goddesses of their own universes. In short, we become God. 
How does this Latter-day Saints, LDS, or Mormonism view differ from 460 in the Catechism? Thanks in advance for reading my email and considering my questions. Look forward to hearing back from you. Regards, Ben. Okay, so um, a couple of things, Renee. I, I, so I, two questions. He's wondering about those two paragraphs in the Catechism. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little bit of context for our <laughs> listeners, uh, which will be relevant to, um, to, to Ben's questions. So... Mormons uh, definitely identify themselves as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, m- many other Christian traditions, including the Catholic Church, look at Mormon theology and have some serious reservations about Mormon theology, which is directly relevant. So, so yeah. I, I want to be clear: I'm not uh, Ben for you or any Mormon listening or watching. Not bashing a Mormonism here. We're just making it clear for our listeners who might not know much about Mormon theology that that the the traditional historical Christian um, theology differentiates quite a bit, or, or deviates quite a bit from, or vice versa. Mormon theology deviates quite a bit from what would be historic general right. Christian theology. So certainly there are all sorts of divisions among those who call themselves Christians. Yes. The, the, the ones that most of us as Catholics were most familiar with are the differences, the divisions between us as Catholics and Protestants in general, Lutherans, uh, Methodists, Baptists, and so on. Um, however, there are a lot of commonalities that we have with Protestants. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the heart of our commonalities goes to the heart of what we as Catholics see as the core doctrines of what it means to be Christian. There are two in particular, two teachings, which we as Catholics see as sort of the heart of what it means to be a Christian or the heart. Renee, any idea what the two? I know the Trinity is one and I believe baptism. Close. Okay. Um, Incarnation. Incarnation. Okay. So the Trinity uh, and the incarnation. So the belief that there is one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, and then that the second of those persons, the Son of God, the Word, became flesh mm-hmm. in the womb, Blessed Virgin Mary, 2,000 years ago. So Trinity Incarnation. The, the, the issue here, or the, the context here, it, 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 a bit of an issue, um, is that the, even, even though Mormon theology uses similar and sometimes the same terms, it seems that the meaning that they have or that they give to those terms is different. So they'll talk about, as Ben does, um, talk about the the Holy Trinity. Um, ben states in here, I firmly believe in the Holy Trinity. However, um, it's, it's my understanding that the way that Mormon theology describes and explains and unpacks what the Trinity means is significantly different than what other Christians, other people who, who identify as Christians mean by the Trinity. So I joked before we started recording, I'm going to explain the Trinity in two minutes. Uh, there's a great, so just, what we're going to do in order to get to Ben's first question from 456, um, I do want to just give a little bit on the historic Christian understanding of the Holy Trinity. Uh, but to do before I do so, I'm, I'm reminded here of a story that St. Augustine shared. So St. Augustine, um, at one point in his career, uh, during his life as a bishop and theologian, was writing a book on the Trinity. Uh, and Augustine um, and, uh, was from North Africa, went to Italy, to Milan, uh, and then after his conversion, he comes back to North Africa, becomes the Bishop of Carthage, um, and he 
so he's he's walking along the shore, presumably the Mediterranean Sea one day, and he sees a little boy who is digging a hole in the do you know the story? Uh-uh. I've never heard it. Um this little boy is digging a hole in the in the beach, and then he's going over with a little like a, a seashell uh along the seashore. She's and seven she times. Says- uh he- <laughs> <laughs> No, he's taking the seashell. And he's dipping it and getting some some water from the Mediterranean and going back and dumping it in his hole. Making a lake. And he keeps doing this and he's trying to fill up and it's clear he's overflowing and he's still going back to to the med and and taking the water and putting it in his hole. And Augustine sees this and says to the boy, uh, "Child, what are you doing? There's no way that you're going to be be able to fit all of the sea into this hole." And the boy looks at him and says, and neither will you be able to fit all of the Trinity into your little book. And then disappears. <laughs> so the, so, um, whether, so two whether minutes, is, is it going to happen? <laughs> no, that, that story all right, uh, was not the explanation. That was a story. <laughs> the Trinity is the greatest mystery of our Christian faith. But like every Christian mystery, um, it's not that it's too dark for us to understand, but in fact, it's too bright for us to understand the truth and the glory, the grandeur of the doctrine of the Trinity is like, look to, to really understand it, to, to explore it, to quote unquote, look at it is like looking at the sun. It will overwhelm us. We can, we can, uh, we can dive into the Trinity. We can swim in it, but we will never fully understand it because it's about the nature of God, the creator and we are just creatures with finite minds and he's infinite. Right. But here's the bottom line. Christian, the Christian theology of the Trinity can be summed up uh, in this way. There is, there is one God there's, and there's only one God. The father, the son and the Holy spirit are each God. The father, the son, and Holy spirit are not the same. Uh, gee, took, I wonder why it's me, confusing. I have no 15, idea. That took me 15 seconds. <laughs> One God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are each God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not the same. Okay. So to unpack that briefly. Throughout the Old Testament, God hammered into the thick skulls of the Israelites. One God. Right. Initially, they believed there were multiple gods but Yahweh is ours. Then they came to believe, oh, there's multiple gods, but Yahweh is not only our God, but he's above all the other gods. And then they came to understand, especially the prophets, oh, there is only one God. Yahweh is not just our God. He is the God. And all the other gods, quote unquote gods, are either figments of human imagination and construction or demons. Right. Okay. One God, but Jesus comes along and he, uh, he talks about himself. He subtly, and then more openly says, basically guys, I'm God, but he talks about the father and the spirit as distinct from him. So Christian Christians very early on are looking at that and just accepting the three points that I just, there is only one God. The Lord has made this clear to us for centuries now. But in Jesus, we've come to realize that, oh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to switch the order here, 
Um, they're each of them are God, same order. Each of them are God, but they're not the same. So within the one God, there are three who's three, someone's that are distinct from one another, but there is still only one God. And again, this is my understanding and, and, and Mormon listeners like Ben, feel free to correct me, but my understanding of Mormon Mormon doctrine, Mormon theology, is that the meaning in their case of the Holy Trinity is is not uh, so much that there's one God with three persons, but in fact, these three personages, there are three, if you will, distinct, quote unquote, gods. God, right. And that's where that's where the the divergence happens. Right. So when we look at 460, so the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 460 says, with the Nicene Creed, we, we answer the question, why did the word become flesh? We answer by confessing, for us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate of the Virgin Mary and was made man. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, he, the word, became incarnate of the Virgin Mary, or was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. So for us, it's not that there were three distinct, like um, there are three distinct persons, but they're in one God. And again, my understanding of Mormon theology, and maybe this goes to Ben's point about the enunciation being a bit awkward from a Mormon perspective, there are three completely different beings. For us, there's not three, be- there's one being that has three persons. Right. Right. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to like think of a way <clears throat> This I'm probably going to be heretical here. Is it kind of like God presenting Himself in different ways? Modalism, oh, ah, Patrick, shoot. that's modalism. That's another early church heresy. Just trying to think of a way to, you know, because everyone's tried for thousands of years to figure out a way to explain there it. Is, Renee is suddenly going to do it. I, I can't remember the, uh, the the YouTube channel name, but there are actually it's two Lutherans. Two Lutherans. Yes, they yes, do, yes. Um, they do remember. a little animated theology. Yep. Uh, and they use two Irishmen, actually. And they're it's trying to hilarious. understand the, the Trinity, and they keep going into heresy after heresy after heresy. <laughs> like That's modalism, putting on different masks. No, three distinct personages, th- persons, persons within the one God. Could it be like your mom is both a mother and a wife and a, what is that? Okay, but. Those are different roles. Yeah, there's still different roles. So it's not a person. Just trying to. The father and the son are not the same. You're what you are right. And try to when you're as you're trying to articulate it, you're violating that third point. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Three point, and, and so for for centuries, and and in the early church, there were big, well, well, some literal physical battles, but at least <laughs> metaphorical, intellectual battles as people are trying to figure what the figure out what the heck does this right. mean? Like, how do we? They're not contradictory. But they, but they it is, parado- like it. but it's yeah. certainly paradoxical. Right, right. One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are each God, but there's one God. Right. One and two. So this is where I think Mormon theology, one sort of gets lost sight of. Right. For the sake of two and three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are each God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit are not the same. I got nothing. <laughs> If you're just tuning in, welcome to Ignition. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. Renee Kranz and I are talking Trinitarian theology here today to answer a question from one of our, uh, a recent question from one of our listeners, one of our viewers. Okay, so so Ben, basically in the incarnation, so what we believe, there there are three persons within the one God, 
And so in the incarnation, the second person alone takes on human nature, becomes flesh, becomes one of us. But this is everything that happens between God and creation involves all three persons of the Trinity. So the Father, if you will, sends his Son, and it's the Holy Spirit by whom this this incredible reality, the incarnation, happens within the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Yeah. Yeah. So, So, uh, So then my question, maybe a question that would be interesting to hear from a Mormon would be, um, do they see Jesus as not existing until he's incarnated? Right. Right. Like, is that kind of where the, where the problem lies is that because he's a separate God, if that's how they see it, does he not exist until then? Right. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great question. So Ben or any other Mormon listeners or viewers, feel free to chime in on that. But I want to now, because this is tied into the second question. So 460 states, and, and back in episode 516, we gave short shrift to 460, which is my par- favorite paragraph in the catechism. Right? Uh, one of, what, my favorite of these four, I should say. Okay. 460 states in part, the only begotten son of God, wanting because make us shares in his divinity, assumed our natures that he made man might make men gods. And again, Ben goes on. In Mormonism, we are taught and teach through our missionaries that man may eternally progress to become like God. This is this doctrine is a little deeper than the mere words convey. We are taught and teach that men and women will become gods and goddesses of their own universes. In short, we become God. How does LDS or Mormonism view how does this LDS or Mormonism view differ from 460 in the Catechism? So I'm re- I was really I was I was um it was just really cool when I when I when I read Ben's email and especially that part of the email, mm-hmm. because the first time that I heard about this teaching of the churches was in a class I had a class on Christology, the theology of Jesus Christ, at Franciscan University of Steubenville, taught by Doctor 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 Scott Hahn, and <laughs> and Scott talks uh, was talking about the what what's sometimes called divine filiation that all of us as sons or daughters of God are called to share in God's divine nature. We become partakers of the divine nature as St. Peter writes in, I want to make sure I get the reference right, Second Peter 1.4. So the word became flesh to make us partakers of the divine nature is how 4.16 in the Catechism starts referencing Second Peter 1.4. And Scott in the class said, the Catholic Christian historical teaching is that we come to share in God's own nature. We become like God or even some of the saints that we quoted. And one of the, um, that's Ben's quote comes from the catechism quoting a saint says we become gods. And Scott said, that's not, that's not Mormon theology. That's Catholic theology. Uh, because Mormon theology going back to, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Who's the founder of Mormon? Uh, Smith. Uh, John Smith. Um, so he said, this is not John Smith theology. It's not Mormon theology. This is Catholic theology. Okay, so if that's the case, because what does 460 mean? What does it mean to become a particular divine nature if it doesn't mean if it doesn't mean what Mormon theology says? Sure. So Mormon theology says basically what, what Ben said. I, 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 know, I understand this to be the case from my study of Mormonism. That um, we, uh, as human beings right now, um, if we're faithful, so I, I, I think, I'm not sure about this, but I think if you, you have to become Mormon, I think, but I'm not sure about that. But if you're faithful to Mormon teaching, you will, uh, in the afterlife, literally become a God yourself. And you'll become God of, as he says, 
of your own universe, right. a god or goddess. That's not what four gra- 460 in the catechism says, right. means. That's not what the church understands to become partakers of the divine nature, nature means. By the way, interesting corollary of that. So Mormon theology, the implication of that, and I think, I think this is even taught explicitly in some of the Mormon texts, that God the Father used to be a man. Yes, I have heard that as well. Yeah. Um, the question then becomes, my, my question for Mormons has been, okay, if that's the case, who, who made yeah. that who made man God. Yeah. that be, later become the one that we right. refer So, so It God, starts to throw things off just a little it bit. Does. So it, God, so the, the being who referred to, we referred to as God the Father uh, was once a man. So our God, if you will, used to be a man. Right. Who made him then? And and I don't, from my understanding, Mormon theology doesn't know how to answer that right. question. Right. Um, that's that's tangential, though. Again, the Catholic teaching in 460 is not the same as the Mormon doctrine because so distinctions here. Um, first of all, we don't believe that God the Father used to be a man. So God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. Um, co-eternal. All three persons have always existed in the single Godhead. Right. There's always been one God and he has always existed. And he sent Jesus to take on human nature, but Jesus himself in his divinity was always divine. Right. The and second was person Trinity has, was, <laughs> has always been there. Okay. So in divine filiation, as we become partakers of the when we become partakers of the divine nature, what this means, we share in in the, the essence, the nature, the life, the mode of existence of the one only God. To be a partaker of the divine nature, to become like God, or to become gods, or to become God, does not mean that we'll be we become a God distinct from right. the one that we refer to as God the Father. It means that we will share in the mode of existence, the essence, the nature of that one God, because I am his son, mm-hmm. you are his daughter. Mm-hmm. So as we become, by baptism, we become sons and daughters of the father. So we take on that divine nature and, and, and that starts to hopefully shine through our lives more and more clearly over time. And then after we die, that will become, um, that it will be fully manifested and it will be fully re- realized. Again, not that we become distinct gods, right. but we share as fully as we possibly can in God's one nature. Share. So I'm still, I'm still who I am. I'm still Chris Bergwalt, a creature with a human nature. But my human nature is being over time divinized, right? Deified. Uh, uh, theosis or deification, divinization is the other the other term for this. There's a book I I, I contributed a chapter, a small chapter Ooh. to a, a book that <laughs> written by edited by Carl Anderson and Father David McConey. Um, uh, they will become like children of God. I think is the title. But if you search for Carl Anderson and Father David McConey, um, you'll find uh, this book published by Ignatius Press, where we as the contributors unpacked historically what the church always understood by this. Mm-hmm. So we we still remain creatures, but we're divinized, deified. Um, we share in God's own nature, which is distinct from the Mormon understanding that you know, I sort of become my own God of my own 
cosmos, my own right, my right, own universe. Right. Like I have some power like God does. Exactly. Because we won't necessarily have the powers to create and so on. Not uh, the way that God right. is, so not, not out of nothing and so right, on. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, so. in both of those, we're, we're seeing how in Mormon theology, terms are used similarly to terms, the same two terms, sorry, the same terms are used by Mormons and by Catholics and other Christians. Mm-hmm. However, the way the word is used by Mormons, is meant, the way the word is used, what it means for Mormons is different from what it means for us right. as Catholics and most other Christians. Yeah. Definitions are important. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm mindful of the, uh, the line spoken by Inigo Montoya. Nope. Nope. Yes. Inigo Montoya. To, I think. Is there a voice coming here? Fazzini. Which one? The short fat guy. What? Who's Inigo Montoya? Communications Department, Diocese Zufos. Shame on you. <laughs> I don't know. Hello. You give my father. Prepare to die. I, I know, but I I can't remember anything. The Princess so. Bride? Yes. Seriously? See, I've never seen that entire movie. I know. I know. So, <laughs> Sorry. after the Trinity and you know what? And it's the actually, Incarnation. It's actually Aaron Rodgers' favorite movie. So you would think I would have seen the it. The third most important doctrine <laughs> of the Catholic Church <laughs> is the Prince, viewing of Princess, Princess Bride. <laughs> so there's this other line. I the Holy Grail or that something. You know, says, Monty Python. That, no. No. <laughs> Uh, Nigo Montoya says to, I think it's Fizzini, the boss man. Um, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think, <laughs> it, think means. it means. Uh, so Mormon, the way that Mormons use certain terms is different than how Catholics use right. the same terms right, right. as we're seeing here. Right. Well, I was trying to think of another way I could be heretical. I think I might have one. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty good at that. So like if you're adopted into a family and you, as you live with that family, you start to take on their characteristics and their, is that kind of what's happening when we take on our divinity? Yes. There's a great family resemblance. Okay. You, I think you were. That was not terribly heretical then? Did you, I gave a presentation uh, a few months ago. No. Did you just get my my school missionary discipleship presentation? No. Okay. I had a great, a great image of this, a photo of a family and, and the dad has a nice big bushy mustache, as does the rest of the members of the family, the wife and the son and the daughter. Because, because by virtue of our baptism, yes, divinization, deification, as it happens, over, as, as we grow in holiness mm-hmm. and sanctification, uh, we we do, quote unquote, look more and more like our father and our big brother. Right. And we're made in the image of God. So, I mean, it can't be that big of a, uh, yeah, that big of a step that, to, get to, see, see, to get to where we need to go, right? Into, uh, yeah, I don't want to throw it off. Sorry. You don't, no, that because as creatures we're created in the image likeness of in the image of God, but more than that happens at baptism and this, the rest oh, of the sacrament sure. of life, the church. Sure. But so so Ben, uh, and again, that's not Ben's real name, but I'm going to email him back and say um, this episode is for you. Uh, hope that helps a little bit. Please feel free to follow up with other questions. And again, folks, uh, if you have questions, ask away, and if we can, we'll answer them on the air. Renee, thanks for being here. No problem. I didn't feel like I said much, but hey, whatever. That's I learned a lot. <laughs> there we go. Amen. <laughs> and folks, that will wrap up, wrap up this episode of Ignition. Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, just as Ben did, with any questions you'd have or maybe ideas for future episodes. Until next time, may God bless you. 
I just said all the heretical stuff. 